Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Kentucky Basketball Across the Bluegrass with Benny Lee. I'm Benny. He's Lee. He's in Paducah, and I'm an Ashland, and we're covering the catch from uh, border to border here. How's it going tonight, Lee? Hey, going good, Benny. Hi, Big Blue Nation. Hope you guys are ready for a big show. We've got one for you tonight. Sir, we got three three former Kentucky Wildcats coming on. We got uh, Andre Reddick. He'll be up first, and then uh, Terry Trickett and Scott Padgett, uh, three of my favorites. I guess they're all my favorites, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, you can't go wrong with Kentucky Wildcats. But these guys, man, I'll tell you what, you talk about some blue-collar players, and, and these these three guys definitely fit the mold and, and how they can't be, and, and they are. We we know they are. They, these three are fan favorites and, and from the nicknames. And, man, what some big shots these guys had. Scott Padgett shot against Duke, unreal. Uh, that's just one highlight of his brilliant career at Kentucky. Jared Prickett, I mean, some monster rebounds. Andre Riddick just rejecting everything at the rim. And uh, it, it's going to be a fun show. Yeah, I'll never forget Andre grabbing Rasheed Wallace by the throat. That's probably one of my favorite moments. I like those kind of moments. I like my cousins. You know, he, I kind of like the dirtiness a little bit, you know. <laughs> I'm yeah. not saying he was dirty because he, he should have grabbed him by the throat. But, you know what I mean? Yeah. I like that rough, well, rough and tough stuff. You know, I like guys that yeah, if, don't care to mix it up. Yeah, if you watch that, I mean, you know, Rasheed Wallace, you know, started that. You know, he instigated it with a uh, with an elbow and and to the head with uh, to Andre and uh, and he retaliated a little bit. But yeah, it was a that was a fiery game. There was a lot of emotion on that game. It was a big game. And uh, yeah, I think we'll we'll probably ask Andre about that and see his side of it and. I'm sure he's been asked about it before because that it was a big moment. And uh, but but we're gonna have a good time with these guys. Oh yeah, and uh, I guess it was uh, bad news all the way around in the recruiting front. Didn't get uh, didn't get Mr. Harms, which I I know you weren't big on Harms anyway, but I thought he was a need. But I'm not I'm not so sure. It kind of seems like we've got a little bit desperate now I mean, with some of the guys and. And maybe something will change, you know, like the transfer rule. And, and, you know, you got this kid down there at Wake Forest, a star kid, that he could possibly become available. But I'm not so sure that they that, that, that the relationships there would work out because I'm thinking that uh, someone someone told me that the Manny, Daddy Manning and Coach Cal are not real good friends. So we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, and there's uh, there's some news out there uh, from uh, you know where Danny Manning is was uh, you know released from Wake Forest and you know a possible transfer there and I know our, our good buddy David Sisk is on top of that and this guy would be a, a huge kid he's a seven footer he's a tough kid and uh, so we'll see what happens you know there's no word on him transferring but you know people are starting to. There are some buzz there, so you know maybe maybe there's something to it, but we'll see. And does it get to a point of desperation? You know, I'll be honest with you, John Calipari is not the best in desperate times, and you know, but 
the difference this year is he's got a he's got a good core base. Yeah, there are a lot of young kids, new kids coming in, but he's got a good core group with these guys, a lot of talent. And it, it's, you know, building around it, I think they're going to be okay. I think it's going to be a fun team. And I think, as always, and I know we sound like a broken record, but by the end of the season, John Calipari will have Kentucky ready for the challenge for a national championship. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it is kind of odd how he's missed out on on bigs, especially when you look at the bigs he's put in the league. It's it just blows my mind sometimes how he has trouble. I think it's a lot of it comes down to style of play. A lot, a lot of the bigs today don't want to play with that back to the basket, but it's kind of a kind of a must sometimes, you know, in the college yeah. game to be able to play well, with the back you know, to the basket. No, and, you know, but, you know, Kyle Perry's the, the master at, you know, positionless basketball, and I think that's that's something that's huge for, for these guys. And, and why they wouldn't come there, I think he does a better job than most any coach out there in the nation that, you know, to prepare these guys for the next level. And I think he gets them ready better than any coach, period. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, like I say, Hey, that's part of the problem with EJ Montgomery is EJ always wanted to play the three. <laughs> you know, it seemed to me like he wanted to get out there and, and uh, you know, shoot that jump shot stuff. And and while he's got a really pretty looking shot, I mean, he really did have a great looking shot, don't get me wrong, but that, that thing never yeah. went in out there. I mean, you know what I mean? It's, no. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, to me, the thing that would sell me, and, and yeah, I know Nick Richards was a was a, a four star recruit coming into into Kentucky, and uh, but but we all know we we saw the real Nick, and, and in high school level there was a big difference in the college level. We know that too, but you know we got Nick Richards, and and he wasn't you know he, he he's a great player. Don't get me wrong, but that guy to me was right there with IQ for uh, SEC Player of the Year. And, and could have been, uh, you know, if he'd come back next year, you know, who knows what he would have done. But, but the improvement we saw from day one to now has been incredible. If I'm a big guy, you know, and, and I see that, that that's a good thing. And, and I see that. And, and you know, Nick bought in. Nick bought in. He, he sacrificed and he worked his tail off, and, he, and he's rewarded for it. And you know, hopefully he's going to be a lottery pick. Yeah. I- I don't know. You know, like I say, uh, these guys aren't – most of them aren't projected really, really high. But I think I think they'll get in the league. And I don't know about EJ. I don't know if EJ will ever see a minute in the league, to be honest. We'll see. He, he's going to get a lot just on his potential and his size. And, uh, you know, Tyrese Maxey's the only one I think is going to be probably a lottery pick. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, uh, you've got – Quickly, that's you know borderline, and you know it takes some it takes an outside shot to make it in the NBA as a guard. You've got to be able to shoot from outside. Maxie's got it. Uh, quickly has it. Hagens doesn't have it. And, you know I have a really bad feeling. I'm sorry. I love Ashton Hagens, but I've got a really bad feeling about him and, and where he's going to end up. You know, at the end of the day, and you know I really just don't see him having a long career in the NBA. And, and, it, and it's sad for me because, you know, we, we love these kids. We support these kids. We want them to do what they want to do. We want them to, to enjoy life. And, make, you know, we trust their decisions. But 
sometimes it's plain as day, they're not ready to go to that next level. And, and I don't know where they get the information. And, and even, you know, when they when they test the waters and they say they're testing the waters, well, these guys didn't really even test the waters. They just, they just declared and they're gone. So I don't know who's giving them the input. I don't think John Calipari is telling Hagens to go. I really don't. I, I just can't believe that. But I know from what I see more of is, you know, Calipari saying, hey, I trust your decision. I'm going to support your decision. I see that. But, you know, I don't know how. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in those conversations and hear the discussion. Yeah. I, like I say, I think uh, quickly he's going to stay in the league for a long time. I, I've been high on him, high on most of the – the NBA scouts are really. I think he's. I think he's a definite first rounder. I think he'll go in the first round. A lot of people don't seem to think so, but I don't see how a guy that plays defense as well as he does and shoots as well as he does doesn't make it. Are you there? Yeah, Benny, I'm here. Okay, I'll follow up. Yeah, I think I think quickly he'll stick around in the NBA for for a good while. I do too, and I look for Richards to have a really good career, and I look for him to just blossom and keep growing with his size and his quickness. And you know, he just really showed me a lot this year. And you know, he's got a real nice pair of hands. I mean, his hands are soft. And, and you know, Andre Riddick coming up—that's one thing I remember about him—is that he had the softest hands I've ever seen, and just. Just really finesse with the ball and for big guys, and that that's hard to find. Yes, yeah, it's, it's rare, you know, and uh, you know it took Nick a while, but I thought Nick actually got a lot better at that, and he probably improved at that more than anyone I've ever seen, as far as yeah. being able to catch the ball. Yeah, and you were talking about you know pretty shots for EJ and. You know, Nick Richards, his shot, his, his release is incredible. And, uh, you know, I just think that his ceiling's really high. And would he have benefited? I think all four players would benefit from another season at Kentucky, you know, no doubt. But I do believe, you know, that three of the kids are ready. I just don't I just don't feel good about Higgins and, and Montgomery. I just don't I just don't see I, I have a bad feeling for those two and, and I wish I didn't. You know, that's all I can say about it. It's just, I think it's right there in black and white that uh, they're going to have their struggles. And, and I just don't see them making it in the league. We've had, to me, we've had better players go to the NBA. And I can go back to the Harrison Twins. And I just think, man, I mean, I just don't know. I just, like I said, I, I hope I'm wrong. And I'd love to be wrong because there's nothing I want to see more than these guys from Kentucky make it in the NBA. Well, Lee, it's my honor now to welcome in Andre Riddick to the show, uh, former cat, one of our favorites. How's it going, hey, Andre? Hey, how you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Hey, Andre, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us. I appreciate it. So you played at Kentucky from 91 to 95, and this is for all the, the newbies out there, the uh, the younger generation that, that may not remember the rejector. Uh, Andre Riddick was number five all time at Kentucky with 212 career block shots, uh, and just to think about that being number five at Kentucky in the in the history of that program it is incredible in itself. When you think about all the shot blockers and the big guys that we've had there, and I kind of gave that away earlier, but you're also known as the rejector very fondly, and uh, we do welcome you, and 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 we're going to pick your brain a little bit and see what you've been doing these days. 
Okay. Well, I've been uh, I've been a counselor now. I've been counseling for the last uh, almost three years now, and uh, just working in uh, substance abuse counseling and mental health counseling as well with uh, adults and and with children. So that's what I've been doing lately. Now you were doing some coaching too in, in Cincinnati, right? Is that is that are you still doing some of that now? I haven't done that in a couple of years. I, I was coaching at a, a second division college. Uh, in Ohio for one year. Then I did I did assistant coaching at a Connor High School in Northern Kentucky for two years. And then I was, uh, the last couple of years I haven't been uh, haven't been counseling. I was doing like some one on one stuff with some kids uh, for. Well, I've been doing that for. I've not I'm not doing it right now, but I, I did it for about four or five years. Just trying to stay connected and uh, you know after playing all those years, you know, I feel like I learned a lot. Right. And I was trying to see who I can who I can share something with. Right. Now, when you get these kids on the court, do you do you accidentally just lose lose your mind for a minute and just swat their ball, their shot away, or do you, do you really, you know? <laughs> well, you know, a lot of them they, they challenge you. You know, they talk a lot of trash. You know? So a lot of times when uh, I used to work at the children's home in Northern Kentucky, and we used to uh, go out there and play play ball because I was they had like a basketball court right outside, and uh, that would be one of the things we did. Like staff and the kids would play together and. Uh, but they wouldn't back down, you know. They they would uh they enjoy playing, you know. So I don't, I never took it easy on anybody. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Uh, I was, I was talking to Lee before the show. My biggest memory of you, huh? and you, I don't know, you, you may find it funny. Was uh, was uh, grabbing uh, received by the throat. I think it's past time. <laughs> 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 Yeah, no, I, I still, I still a mystery to this day, you know, because they even went to the monitor and looked at the video, and uh, yep, they still still came up with the the wrong wrong guy and everything. <laughs> so I, I really don't know how they mixed that up. Uh, maybe in the heat of the moment, they made a mistake, but yeah, that, that was one of the the things that you know I don't. No one ever understood how they mixed that up, especially Coach P, because Coach P kind of lost it when he figured out who was who they were giving the files to. Yeah. And Andre, you had a standout career in high school in, in New York, and we knew, we all know Rick Pitino had, you know, a lot of connections there in New York. Can you tell us a little bit? Because there's not a lot on this, but tell us about the recruiting process with you and Rick Pitino, and why you ultimately chose to come to Kentucky. Well, I started playing uh, AAU ball with the Gauchos uh, in the Bronx. That's where uh, Jamal Mastrom played as well, and some other guys who. Um, who were really good in the city, and uh, they wanted going to. Some of them went to Pitt. Two of them went to Pittsburgh. That's uh, Orlando Antigua. You know, he was one of the guys that was with the Gauchos. So. Oh, wow. Uh, good. But I would travel from Brooklyn to to there to go play, and uh, so it would take me like an hour, thirty minutes, two hours to get there. But uh, with that group, you know, we wound up playing, going to Las Vegas and playing, and, and uh, playing in AAU competitions in, in other states and stuff, and uh, just being able to showcase. You know, I was I was really um, I didn't have a lot of experience, but just the raw talent that I had, you know, because I didn't have a a lot of. I started playing when I was 15, so I didn't have a a long time uh, in the game myself. But you know, just 
from what I showed, I guess uh, I was able to draw some some attention. And uh, just those those tournaments that we used to play with the Gauchos, you know, we went. And, uh, I remember one time there was a there was a smaller gym we went to in Manhattan, and um, like it was full. It was like maybe twenty, thirty coaches, like all high school. I mean, all college coaches, like uh, Coach P, Coach Beheim, you know, just top yeah. Division One coaches. And that's what you know kind of woke me up to help me have an understanding of what what was going on. You know, these a lot of college coaches were showing up trying to you know get get their play in, you know, for different players to sign with them. And, uh, and I just, I used to go to the Knicks games before he was even with the, before he made that switch. And uh, I would go to the Knicks games with my friends. And uh, I just, you know, saw the the level of, uh, the level of play that, they, that he had with the Knicks and what he did with them. And uh, and that was kind of like what I was looking at. And, and I didn't know anything about Kentucky basketball that much because uh, I followed a lot of Big East ball at that time. So, uh, Right, really coming here. Georgetown, Georgetown was big then. Yeah, Georgetown was big back yeah. then too, wasn't? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. St. John's. Yeah. Georgetown. Yeah. Syracuse. Uh, yeah. And those. And a lot of people felt like I was going to stay in the Big East. So, um, but yeah, Coach uh, Coach Donovan and Coach Sidney, you know, they would. Uh, you know, I got to see both of them, and I think Coach Pete. They came to my high school with my senior year and talked to me and uh, showed me like a video and everything. And I wound up. Uh, Going on a visit and, and just for the visit itself, I didn't see a practice or anything, but just just being there, I decided that's, that's where I was going, you know. Um, and I I, you know, I I made that decision early, but um, it's not one that I regret because you know even today, you know, just all these years later, you know, having being part of a tradition, you know, that that spans the all the yeah, years that Kentucky basketball spans, you know. Uh, so I'm very grateful and thankful that I, I made that decision. All right, we're thankful too. We really enjoyed your time at Kentucky. It was uh, it was amazing, man. I mean, you're, like I said, you're one of my favorites of all time at University of Kentucky, and uh, I always, I always kind of like the big men. I don't know why I never played that way, but <laughs> I always like the big men. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. Not a problem. Not a problem. And uh, like I say, yeah. it was an honor. Honor for us to get you on today. It meant a lot, and uh, I think Lee's Lee's back with us. He dropped off there. Yeah, we have connection issues all the time, and it just you know it's modern technology is what it is. But uh, hey, Andre, and, and uh, you know one one thing that I remember about you at Kentucky is, is your hands. Were, were, you had super soft hands. I mean, you would have probably been a great receiver in football too, and. Uh, but what was one thing Coach Patino stayed after you about? And don't say free throws because we know that was one of the things that you struggled with, we know. But you made up for another thing. What, what, what was one thing, if there was one, that Patino was on, rode you about during your career? I would say that he, he wanted me to recognize the talent that I had and the, the opportunity that, that I had in front of me, um, you know, because he was – with your standout guys like Mashburn and, and Antoine and, and Tony, you know, some of those guys who uh, you felt like they had a a definite NBA career. Like I, I wasn't one that was with a definite career, but he felt like I can get there, and he, and he would stay on me about um, just making the most of the opportunity, you know, and, and doing – because he felt like he – that I could do it, you know, and I could make it. So I, I didn't believe in myself like he did, uh, and that's one of the things that and I, I do regret that. But, but – uh, but that was one of the issues I had growing up uh, playing ball. You know, I wasn't really confident in my game like that. 
but he had a confidence in me that that he pushed me like to. And a lot of my career that I wanted having on the professional level, you know, overseas was because of you know a lot of the things that he instilled in me and the things that he uh, would tell me. You know, he would tell me like you know I was on the fence and I can go and play in the NBA and have a successful career there, or you know I would be overseas somewhere. But he was in there. Right. You know, while we were there, we had all those guys and that little three to four year stretch that you know wound up going to the NBA, you know, so he was uh, kind of like what Cal's doing now, but just with more development, you know, with more years to develop players. And he was getting guys yeah. in the league, so so that's kind of what and you, out to me. And you did you did have a successful uh, pro career, and and I'm not sure a lot of people even realize, and I didn't know all of this. I knew a little bit about it, but, you know, in the European Cups, and, and I'm not sure if you still are, but I know at one time, if not now still, that you were the all-time leader in rebounds, blocks, and steals in the European Cups, which that, that's a that's a huge statement in itself. Yeah, it was one of one of being a uh, yeah. It was something that stood out for a while. I think the rebound one. I don't have that anymore, um, but I think I have the other ones though. But it was a great competition. We would play against. Uh, it would be like a different countries playing against each other and. Um, you know, it was a great experience, and and I did learn a lot. And like I said, I, I learned a lot from what Coach P taught me, and uh, I put it into play over there. And um, and one thing, I, I was actually my record at Kentucky lasted for about eighteen years. Uh, like I was first in blocks yeah. from yeah, from the time yeah. I left. Yeah. And then yeah. uh, David, you were tied with Turpin. Yeah, you were tied with yeah. Turpin for a while. Yep. Yeah, there are two records. There's one for blocks in the season, and that was what Anthony Davis broke. And then blocks in the game, which is what I was tied with Melvin Turpin. But both of those records stood for like 18 years, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, one was 18, I think one was 19, something like that. So I was up there. Yeah, that's you know. Now I kind that of it. Took it, took a a <laughs> it took a heck of a dude to break that record, though, didn't it? It took, it took a lot of years <laughs> of, and a once in a generation right. type dude, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, people would ask me was upset about like having records broken, but I, you know I felt like it was an honor, you know, just from you know Eddie Davis and the talent that he had, and uh, and you know just the record wasn't as important as you know just the, what it stand, stood for, you know, and just what it what it was allowed. No, and when you look back at your career, I mean, it's just amazing, and you know you were a fan favorite, but the players you played with. It's a long list of some great players. I mean, you mentioned Mashburn. I mean, Delk. I mean, and, and just some of the memorable moments that you had at Kentucky are just incredible. And, you know, other than uh, – and, and, you know, it's a shame you couldn't have been a, a born a couple years later. You might have been in, in, involved in the championship. But you guys had some great teams and made some great runs at it, Andre. And uh, But but the, some of the memorable moments – I mean, you were there on the floor in Baton Rouge on Fat Tuesday on, on the – Mardi Gras miracle. How was that? What kind of experience was that in the locker room? Yeah, like it was two different. You know, at halftime it was one experience, and after the game it was another. <laughs> it was ugly yeah, at halftime. Was <laughs> I would like to uh, put a fly like, on the wall at halftime for sure, but yeah, maybe it was, you can take it back. <laughs> yeah, it was just like it was one of those nights where you know. You know, if you watch the videos, like the they had everything going for them. You know, everything was working out in their favor, and uh, we just couldn't get anything going. You know, momentum-wise, and uh, to the point where we got down, you know, twenty-some points in the first half, and and it looked it just looked like it was just 
going to be like like that the, the, all night long, you know. And uh, so the locker room, you know, yeah. it was real. It was bad. And he threatened us in the locker room that uh, he was he said <laughs> he was saying like he couldn't wait to get back. He couldn't wait to get back to uh, to to Lexington. We're going to pay for it in practice, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> so yeah. that, so yeah. you know, when he was mad, you know, we we would do all kind of extra running and all kind of stuff. So yeah. Um, the guys I remember were, that. I yeah, what thing about that, that team, Because I was in high yeah, school had... with my parents. Oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, you're fine. The same, oh, I remember that in high school, the, the, my parents went to bed because they gave up on it. Because if I remember, it's a late night game. And I stayed up because I never, I always watched it, and still this day, every last second, regardless, because I can't help myself. Because I'm always trying to coach. I always think I'm a better coach than coach. You know how that goes. But anyway, uh, I was screaming and jumping, and, and they were yelling at me, what's going on? And they finally got up. And they, they was like, no way. I was like, we've come all the way back. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. I, I was the same way. I didn't turn it off. I, I sat there, and as, as disgusting as it, it felt, and just like, man, and – but. You know, you guys just kept chipping away. It wasn't just like a thirty-five nothing run to get back in the lead. You guys just chipped and chipped and chipped, and, and it, it wasn't even that you guys played a bad game. You played a heck of a half. But you, Ronnie Henderson and Clarence Caesar, just were going off in the first half. I think they shot almost seventy percent from three points, and and just unreal. You know. Yeah, I mean, uh, to their credit, you know, they had a they had a good game plan, and they were uh, they were you know they were doing everything they could in the first half, and. Uh, like I said, you know, it was it got it broke until we got to like thirty one, I think. That's when it was like two minutes into the second half, and that's when it started turning. Because uh, I think yeah. they got they got into like where you know they they were a little they thought it was over, you know, they stopped playing. And, you know, yeah. and we started we we started playing and they stopped playing, you know, and uh, you know with the turnovers and we turned them over and we was making shots and guys started seeing like a, a light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, one thing about those guys, you know, guys I played with, you know, Travis and. Roger Rose, Tony Walt, uh, Jeff Shepard, and all those guys, yep. you know, those guys, uh, Jared, you know, hardworking guys, you know, guys who, you know, you can go to war with. And, and, and the four scenes that I came in with, Fellhouse and Pelfrey and Woods and Farmer, you know, uh, those guys, yep. you know, even though they weren't like the household names around the country, you know, those guys they really had a work ethic that was uh, unbelievable. And just, you know, going out there with them, you know, is was – to win games like that wasn't it wasn't a surprise to win when you knew who was around you. Right, and, and you say they're not household names, but in Kentucky, trust me, those are household names. And it's funny you mentioned Jeff Shepard and, and, and Tony Delk and, and Travis Ford. And uh, Travis was on just a couple of weeks ago, and we've had Tony and, and Jeff on too. And you're not going to believe who the old uh, the old runker from uh, West Virginia uh, spawned you up today. Jerry Prickett's coming on after you today. So one of your old buddies will be on here with us here shortly. <laughs> you. Tell him I said hello. We will do. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, and, and you said that about the halftime speech. And, and you know what was funny about that? You guys, I forget what you were down in the in, in the first half, but it was it was terrible. And but even after that speech, and, and after Pitino ripped you guys. And and you guys and I remember because Travis told us you know I, I talked to Travis and he said you know he he kept saying hey man we're, we're, we got this we got this we can't lose you guys were coming off 
two two tough losses, Arkansas and Syracuse, and you drop guys dropped from four to eleven, I think. And but Travis Travis was a little general that night, and and he wouldn't let you guys. Not that you guys would have quit, but he he stayed after you guys and and kept kept being positive in that huddle and, and on the floor. And but it's it just amazing to see it. But after halftime, they still came out LSU and went on a twenty to five run. That's what put it up to thirty one points. And and I think there was only fifteen minutes and some change left in the half. And then you guys made the comeback. So that's what to me makes it even more incredible. And just to be part of that, it, it's still to me. The greatest comeback I've ever seen in in any game, anywhere, any level. Yeah, that that second half was a lot of fun, you know. And uh, like like I said, Travis did, uh, you know, get us going, and you know he had to keep guys focused because you know if you can if you don't get guys focused in that time, you know, you know, like I said, it was a tough period at that time where we had some other losses around that same little week, you know, week or two, and uh, you had to keep guys focused on the goal, you know. And I think he did a good job of doing that. Uh, and we, you know, guys making shots, guys making plays, and not not giving up on it. You know, that's that's what made it special. And uh, Andre, I don't know if you can remember, but I remember it pretty well. They, those guys, I, I watched that game, like I said, from start to finish. Those guys were were talking a lot of junk. I remember that so well. They were talking a lot of junk, and I bet they were pretty quiet when it was over. Wasn't they? <laughs> yeah, those guys, they were. Yeah, they were shocked. You know, they. It was right around that. Uh, it wasn't even when the game ended, but it was right around like the when we got it down to like ten. That's when you saw they were they didn't know what was going on. You know, they didn't, they didn't have that same uh, that same fight. You know, and so it wasn't even at the the moment we won. It was, you know, when we got when we got down ten. You know, that was it. Yeah, you can see the change, and they weren't talking as much, and maybe you guys were talking a little more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were excited we won, basketball, right? and then, yeah, we were excited we won, and we weren't gonna get, you know, we were gonna have to run and do all that crazy stuff that we're about to do with loss. You know, so, but uh, you know, a historic game, you know, that you know, I, I think all of us were proud of, to be a part of. So you you talked about you mentioned you know what you know Patino said at halftime. T- tell us the toughest practice you guys went through there at Kentucky. What what and and what loss was it after? And, and what do you remember about that? What was one of the toughest practices that Rick Patino put you through? Uh, we one uh, number one was uh it wasn't one practice it was like a, a string of practices in uh, my freshman year where we lost the pit at Rupp. Um, well, we lost the pit, and that that made us. Uh, we were supposed to be in the. We were to beat them. We went to New York and played. Um, so we were out of the competition, and he made, he used that whole week, you know, prove his point. You know, he was upset that we lost. You know, he wanted to get back home, and you know, because that's where a lot of family and friends were. And uh, I think it was the. I can't remember what, what competition it was, but. But we lost that, and that that whole week, you know, it was. We, you know, nobody was on campus. It was a holiday. I think it was around Thanksgiving time. And, uh, yeah, it was just like one, one of the worst weeks. <laughs> that you yeah. know, he, made it, he made it miserable, and he made it miserable on purpose because, uh, yeah. you know, because what we lost, you know, and, and he wanted to show kind of what what he what he expected, you know, and that's the one I remember. And there was another one. We actually wound up winning at Rupp, but he didn't like the way we played. So he made us come back and practice like a like a 
mid, it was like I don't know if it was midnight or it was like late that same day we came back and practiced uh, at Rub because he didn't like the way we played. You know, we didn't he, we didn't play up to the standard that he had. So those are the two that I remember. Two times that you know it wasn't, and it was really bad. You know that, that even though we won, you know that practice was really bad. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I tell you what, and I thank you, and I know Benny does, and Big Blue Nation, thank you for sharing these stories with us. And, and it's it's neat to hear these things because, you know, a lot of times they touch on the highlights. And, and, and you know, these things aren't negative. Some people look at that way. And, and Benny and I both play ball, and, you know, that's part of it. And you learn from your coaches. And, and the ones that challenge you and push you, you know, you, you have more gratitude, you know, after the fact. And we had Rick Roby on, you know, a couple weeks ago. And he was talking about Joe B. Hall and uh, and some of the practices, and you know, and he said, you know, he's he's definitely better friends with him today than he was then as a player. And, and I think we all look at our coaches that way, and you know, and we learn from them. And, and I know it's helped you become a successful person in your life. And and I'll tell you what, I I thank the world of Rick Pitino, and and uh, and I was one of the ones that that cried when he left, and, uh, and I wish he never had. But uh, you know he he did the right thing for him and, and made a you know smart business play. But I think he was a great coach. And, and Andre, I think you you were a great player. And and, and I know I, speaking on uh, half of the big big blue nation, uh, we do love you and, and we're proud that you were a Kentucky Wildcat. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. you guys having me on. You know, I definitely appreciate it. Uh, not a problem. And uh, like I said. Like he said, everything he said, and then some. We really appreciate you, and you always be uh, a legend to us, playing for the Big Blue. Hey, I, I appreciate it. Thank you again. Like, tell Jad I said hello. You know, and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. We'll, we'll uh, do we it sure again. Will. Hopefully, we can do it again. All right, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Any time. Right. Right. Take care, brother. All right, you got it. Bye. Well, how about that, Lee? <laughs> Yeah, I was I was almost I was I was thinking well you know it'd been kind of neat to have had uh, Jared I, I know Jared's not going to be calling in probably for another five or ten minutes but uh, it'd been kind of neat to have him a little crossover but that's okay I mean and uh, but we'll definitely pass that along to Jared and you know two great teammates and you know and you know I, I, what I love about these guys and, and you can listen to each and every one of them I mean even we had Dan Issel on here. Uh, you know, one of the greatest Kentucky Wildcats of all time, and and their appreciation for their teammates and and, and their their humility is, is amazing. And and these guys, you know, it, 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 you know, you see a lot of these players. I think more modern players now, and there were some in the past too. But it's me, 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 and, and you know, all of these guys that we've talked to from Kentucky, it's never been that. I mean, they they have so much. Uh, adulation for their other players and their teammates and it's just a lot of respect and and you got to take your hats off to these guys they're they're a class group and we've had some really great guys on this show you know this uh michelle's tweeting at us saying the blog talk's not working which is about our luck i don't know what's going on but you know we'll still record the show and it'll play back but i don't know if anybody's having trouble with the live feed, let us know. Or if you can hear us, let us know. Um, but anyway, I just want to let you know that. I just seen that on a tweet, and uh, that's really aggravating. Wow. But like I said, it's recording, so we'll get it back out there. If it doesn't, then maybe she's going, Maybe she's getting us now. I hope so. Uh, I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure she'll let us know. 
I've, I've been hearing some strange little sounds and signals, but, you know, I, other than that, and, and while ago it wasn't a disconnect. Well, it was a disconnect just because I hit the wrong button, and it's some of these issues at home here when you you got to try to get the kids to be quiet. So it's it just, you know, we're, we're live, folks, and we're live, and uh I don't know if that was your dog or Andre's dog. I heard a dog barking. That, that, that was that my dog. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, I was like, shut that dog up. That's where I went when I told you. I was like, shut that damn dog up. Well, <laughs> I, I want to tell, tell everybody, it, this is funny because, and, and, you know, if you guys, you might think we're crazy, you may never listen to us again. I think our real friends out there that know us, I mean, Benny and I are as real as we get, I mean, as you can get. And uh, it's funny. I mean, I'm telling you right now, two minutes before the show, you know, I was kind of cruising. I had my earth, wind, and fire going. I'm drinking some coffee and just kind of relaxed. I've been cutting wood all day and clearing up, clearing up the front up here. And uh, But I was out there chasing the chicken. And I was trying to cook a pepperoni pizza in the oven for the kids. And then, uh, so, I mean, I'm running around here frantic, you know, and I had all this set up, and then all of a sudden chaos broke loose. And that's just that's just live TV or live, live in general. But, and old Benny goes through the same things, too. And I thought it was Andre's dog. I didn't, it didn't bother me. I just thought, man, this is live, this is live radio. It's, it's great, you know. you got a little bite. I'm sitting here thinking, what am I going to do to get this dog to shut up? Now, somebody's going to probably get mad at me, but I look over here on the dresser, my, my nine millimeters laying there. I was like, well, that might shut him up. <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I'm sitting here talking to Andre Riddick, and the dog is going crazy, you know. <laughs> But, you know, I don't remember who we had on. It, it's been a little while back. It might have been Travis Ford. I can't remember. But I know they, their dog was barking. Too. No, I tell you, I think it was Buzz Baker. Maybe it's Buzz. And had, oh, he had some grandkids. But, I mean, everybody does this. We're all live. We're one big happy family. And, and it, it's just the way it is. And I think it makes it more fun and, and more interesting for sure. And uh, But, uh, but yeah, just, just so you all know, we – we don't uh, we don't try to kid anybody, and we're we're this is as professional as we're going to be right here. Yeah, and I'm just joking. I'm not going to shoot my dog, y'all. So don't call it on me. No, but let's let's take no. some calls for the calls here. <laughs> no, hey, it's Nick Mangione, head baseball coach at the University of Kentucky. You're listening to Kentucky basketball across the bluegrass with Benny and Lee on Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, that's uh. Yeah. That's something else, and it seems like this is always when we somebody uh, did tweet at us and said they could hear us. So I hope Michelle got connected. So, and I I asked yeah, them the tweet yeah. questions they had for Scott and Jared if they had any, and uh, they'll be well, up momentarily. Well, and, and just to let everybody know, and, and what a what a great guest Andre Riddick was. And uh, next up, our our next guest is originally from Fairmont, West Virginia. He was a prize recruit out of high school for Coach Rick Bettino. He was named All-Southeast Regional Player in his freshman year. He was the only freshman selected for the Southeast Regional team. Please welcome Jared Prickett. He's he's not here yet, I don't think. <laughs> oh, well, there we go. No, he's, he's not with us yet. <laughs> but that's a good introduction. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> Let me see if I can change my voice real quick. How does a West Virginian talk? Huh? He's coming on now. And now okay. we, we'd like to welcome Jared Prickett to the show, uh, former cat. How's it going tonight, Jared? I'm doing pretty good, guys. How are you guys doing? Hey, good, Jared. Uh, I just I just did you a heck of an intro, and you missed it unless you were listening to us. But uh, anyway, <laughs> it was a good one. You're just going to trust me on that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, not a problem. Hey, thanks for being with us today, bud. We appreciate you coming on. Yeah, not a problem. Hey, buddy. How's the weather up there? Hey, How's the weather where you guys are? It's rainy today. Well, rain. Yeah, you guys got it today. I'm over in western Kentucky. I'm over here, actually in Mayfield, just just south of Paducah. So we had it yesterday, but it it was cool this morning. The sun's finally out now, and it, it's still windy, but it, it really turned out pretty nice today. How's it your way? Oh, good. I'm 84 degrees today. Sunny. Nice. No humidity. <laughs> where are I'm you at? over here. Where, where are you at? I'm just south of Jacksonville. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not in Lexington anymore. I thought you were still in Kentucky, but now you're, you're, you're nah. right now. Yeah, I've been, I've been gone for about a year. Yeah, I know you've become a successful businessman. We want to talk about that in a little bit too. And uh, but Jared, I mean, just just tell us about some of your experiences. And you know, you know, you were fortunate to have five years at Kentucky, and a lot of people can say that, especially in this one and done era. I mean, we we're lucky to keep guys more than one season. But you, you unfortunately had a red shirt year. But you were fortunate enough to play with a lot of great players at Kentucky and spend some time at Kentucky and really, really take in a lot of things. Just give us uh, – maybe give us two or three highlights of that experience just overall and, uh, you know, from the coaches to the to the players and, and some, of, some of the experiences that you still draw from today. Yeah. So I guess, you know, uh, one of the things that people always ask me, you know, now that I'm – 22, 23. I was like, well, what, what NBA guys did you play with? Who all played in the NBA? Then I sat there and I tried to start putting them out. And, I mean, you know, it's like 12, 13, 14. You know, I played with some, you know, when I was a freshman, Mashburn made it. But then when I was senior, you know, I've got guys like Antoine Walker and those guys making it and all the guys in between. So, uh, there's definitely a ton of talent that I played with during that era. Um players, a lot of talent. A lot of guys went on and had uh, successful careers in the, in the NBA and did well, you know, 5, 10, 15 years in the NBA. And, uh, you know, it was just a, it was a heck of an overall experience as a whole, and just being a part of that group. Uh, you know, I never got to – so I only had one coach when I was there, so I was in the Patino era. And yeah. when the, the year that Patino left was the year that I graduated, and I went out yeah. too. So I never got to experience Tubby as a coach, but you know I came, I come back here and after that, playing the summer times with those guys, hang out with Tubby and the, the guys a lot. So uh, got to know him pretty well. He's a fantastic person. So yeah, and, you know a couple things that to me that that when I think of Jared Prickett, and, and I tell you what, and I'm gonna tell you the first thing I think of is just absolute all-out hustle. You know, and, and I, you know, and, and just speaking as a fan, watched you your entire career. 
uh, always giving it your all every game, uh, just working your butt off. Uh, you know, that would be how I would, how I would describe it. You work your butt off every game. I, and, and to me, you know, the things that, that would, as a fan, that bothered me for you was that, you know, you were there during the, the 96 championship, but you, you weren't able to play. You had the injury. And then the uh, and then falling short of your thousand points, nine ninety eight, and a lot of people don't think a lot about that, but you know that's still a benchmark. It just would have been cool, you know. And I think from a fan perspective, that's that's that we want to see you do that. And I know you probably don't think a lot about that. You, you had a great career, trust me. It, but it would have been nice to see you join that club because it's elite and there's some. But you know me, you're you're right there with them. I mean, what's two points, you know? But uh, but you, you were a great player there. And, and But what do you think about that? I mean, in the next year you guys were so close against Arizona. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what Patino was telling you guys in the huddle late in the game? You know, it was it was tough. It was a tough loss against Arizona. We went to overtime. Um, definitely I thought we should have beat them. Uh, we would have beat them if we had Derek Anderson playing with us that game. Yeah, uh, you know he didn't play. He just came in and shot a foul shot on one of the technicals, and um, mm-hmm. but he he never got to play, which was unfortunate. And uh, at that point in time, he was practicing with us too, full, full out practicing. But uh, but he definitely could have played. He just he just didn't. And you know, man, you know that's that's what makes March Madness so fantastic. You know, anybody any team can beat the other team on a given night. There's lots of teams that get upset, and. Uh, you know, I think we were, we were favored to win, and we should have won. But you know, they they had some good players on the team. I mean, yeah. Mike Bibby came Thank out; you. and he had a fantastic NBA career, and and uh, so did uh, Dickerson, and and then a couple of the other big boys they had. And I know everybody remembers Miles Simon, but heck, he's one of the guys that didn't make it that long in the NBA. But yeah. um, yeah. they had a they, they had a good team. They were well coached. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we just came up a little bit short. I mean, you know, we had uh, our big freshman right then at the center was, was Nazi Muhammad and, and Jamal McGlore. Just, you know, think about how far they came over the next two to three years with their careers mm-hmm. in, in college. So. Yeah, without a doubt. And I don't remember. Uh, one of the things I remember about, about you, Jared, is I don't remember who it was, but you had – like a 22 rebound game, didn't you? I know you got to remember yeah. that. Yeah. Who was a couple of these? No, uh, that game was uh, that game was because I got my first start my freshman year when uh, so I got the start and, and uh, we played Arkansas at Arkansas and I ended up having uh, having uh, 20 points and 20 rebounds, which is which is a good game, man. Game and uh, once I got that start, I, I wasn't trying to give it up. I can tell you that. If I'm not mistaken, you're the last guy to get 20 rebounds. I may be mistaken on that, but I think, yeah, I no, think you're the last guy to right. get it. <laughs> All I right. am, I am. What's, cr- what's crazy is I've had a few people text me when uh, who had Patrick Patterson at one point in time had like 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. I think Poitras had it, was real close to getting it. I think even I'm trying to think of the guys here in the last couple of years um, that had an opportunity. Somebody had it. I think it was this year. 
Maybe Max, I think it was last year that somebody had an opportunity. I think they had 19 rebounds, and then, and then it got taken out of the game. Believe it or not, I think Rondo got close to it one time, but I can't remember for sure. But I was thinking Rondo got close to 20 rebounds one time. I could see that. I mean, he's going, he comes out of games in the NBA. He'll 15 points, 17 rebounds, 12 assists. Yeah. He, he, he puts it a lot of triple, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, 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 you know, and when, yeah, when you say 20 rebounds, I mean, that's, you know, and that's against top-tier top talent. And to be the last one, and, and not to make you sound old, but it's been a little while since you played at Kentucky. So, and, and you oh, think and about that, the people that have come – <laughs> yeah, not to mention that's my second year. So, so, yeah. So I'm trying to think, man. I was 18, so I'm 46 now. So 28 <laughs> yeah, years. we're all getting old. That's unbelievable. And you know how time passes. And, you know, that's funny because, you know, unless you see someone every day, you know, this this, this is how we still see you in, in 32 in, in, in your Kentucky uniform. Yeah. And if I say today I wouldn't recognize you, probably I'd, I'd expect you look the same, you know, and like you found the fountain of youth down there in Florida maybe, you know. <laughs> uh, I've aged a little bit, but, you know, it's a whole lot different. You know, some, some of the guys that uh, you don't see for 20 years, you may not recognize them, but I don't look a whole lot different than what I did before. Hey, and we we had one of your buddies on just before you came on, Andre Riddick, and he told us to tell you hello. Yeah, tell us, <laughs> tell tell yeah. Andre I said hello. You see him. How about that? Uh, he, hey, yeah, you man, guys, he, man. You talk, you talk about you guys were rebounding stuff, force. You guys were oh, rebounding man. force. Yeah, and and we talked a little bit about the Mardi Gras miracle, the Mardi Gras miracle, and that's one of the craziest games that I've been Benny have ever seen, a lot of people have ever seen, and uh, he he shared a little bit of that with us, and and I want to ask you this, you know, what what happened in the halftime with Roderick Rhodes that he was benched, and, and Patino actually benched you at the start of the second half. What what happened in there? Were you guys just that mad, or because I know you guys were playing your butt off? What happened? Yeah, look, we we're trying hard, you know. Just it, it just they were on fire, like completely on fire. And then uh, you know, coach goes off, you know, just went off on us in the in the locker room at halftime, which you know normally that's just part of it when you're down by 15 points at halftime, you know, your coach is going to come in and scream at you a little bit and, and try to fire you up. And then, uh, you know, Roderick, you know, he set Roderick on the bench and <laughs> he didn't start it. And, and then, you know, normally when coach does that, we come out the second half and we're ready to go. Well, heck man, the first five minutes of the second half, we went from 15 down to like 31. We were 31 down. Yeah. So. Yeah. They went on 25 20 the runs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, oh, so Tina took all the starters out, threw them all, threw everybody on the bench, except for except for guys that could shoot three. Yeah. And, uh, I want to say know, 13 people played. I think 13 players played in that game and nine scored. I may be wrong, but I, I want to say 13 people played in that game for Kentucky. Oh, you're probably right. You're probably right. But I, I could tell you, we came back with the three, that's for sure. And uh, we we started firing the threes, and everything was going in for us. So, so the last 15, 12 to fifteen minutes, that was our game. Yeah, and that yeah, was crazy that was... because Brasso, Brasso, and Harrison, and uh, uh, and Delk and, and McCarty. I mean, they just were going off out there. And I think yeah. Andre they had two guys more. on their team. 
yeah, more shy than what you are. And uh, I was yeah, telling him, but I noticed in the first half that those LSU guys, Caesar and all them guys, they were they were talking some junk. I mean, they were they were giving it to y'all. And then uh, I think they got quiet, and you guys were doing a little bit more of the talking there toward the end. Yeah, that's it, man. I, I tell you, it was it was uh it was a, it was a heck of a game, man. Um, and uh, I, they had two guys on the team. One had thirty six points. I think uh, Caesar. Had thirty six, and the other Ronnie one had Henderson. Ronnie yeah, Henderson. Ronnie 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 Henderson. And, and, and you guys were startled. That it was just everything they threw up. And, you know what the, the ironic, ironic thing is? When they were open, they missed the shots. When you guys had had a hand in their face, they were just drilling these things. But you guys flipped the table right. on them in the second half. You know. Yeah, it was a it was it was definitely a fun game to be a part of. And you know, as mad as Coach Tino was at halftime, that's about how happy he was when the game was finished. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a heck of a, it was a heck of a turnaround, man. And Jerry, growing up in West Virginia, how often did you watch Kentucky? And uh, did you grow up a Kentucky fan? And and how did your recruiting process go during that time? So so no, I didn't grow up a Kentucky fan. I mean, I just I, I saw Kentucky play here and there. Uh, they weren't on TV a whole lot. Um, up in West Virginia, I was up towards the north, northern West Virginia, so I'd get more Big East basketball and stuff like that. But um, so I didn't grow up in Kentucky, and but uh, you know, once I took my first visit and started visiting school, uh, I was sold immediately of where I wanted to go and where I wanted to be. So, but I grew up uh, more of a Big East fan, ACC fan. Um, you know, watching. I, I was a North Carolina fan a little bit, but uh, it all changed once I, once I signed <laughs> with Kentucky. That's awesome, man. I mean, it's it's something. I mean, I, you know, it may be that way in other places, maybe, but I, I find it hard to believe. Like, like we we're, we're just talking to you, I and mean, we started this as fans, and if this thing's grow, and we we enjoy doing it, it's just something we enjoy, but. But it's hard to imagine that a fan base could keep could keep players, uh, you know, for this many uh, for years and years. Like we even had Cotton Nash out there, and everybody knows who Cotton Nash is. You know, it's just crazy how the fans oh, yeah. support the. Yeah, guys, and I was getting ready to say, no he's one what. of the last ones. Yeah, he was one of the last ones too. Were uh, had twenty rebound game. Yeah, yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Well, I can tell you I this. I moved down here into the Jacksonville area, and um, there's a bar down here that they had the Kentucky Derby. There wasn't nothing but Kentucky people there watching the Kentucky Derby. I was like, man, that's that's, that's pretty cool. Well, you know, cool. your experience at Kentucky, how Big Blue Nation traveled, especially to the basketball games, the NCAA tournament, and SEC tournament. I mean, it just it had to be unreal. A unreal experience for you, seeing that kind of appreciation from a fan base. Yeah, you know, it was almost like you had a home game, no matter where you were, whether you were on the road or at home. I mean, we always had our little section there. 
that was going that was going to cheer for us. Anytime we went to the tournament or SEC tournament or turn, the tournament as a whole, you know, it was it was it was our it was our home game as opposed to the other team. And uh, you know, the fan support is second to none, which is fantastic, which has been great. So I've really appreciated that. Made a lot of good friends with it as well. Awesome. That's that's awesome. What are you what Lee was talking about your business ventures. What are you into uh, these days? So I've got a I own a water damage restoration company. Like water, fire, smoke and mold. So I'm a twenty four seven emergency service company is what I do here in the northeast Florida area. So that's what I do. And how many how many children you have, Jared? And are they are any of them playing basketball now? Yeah, I got two of them playing basketball. I got one of them running around a circle for me right now in her bathing suit. And then I got a baby. So I got two boys. I got a thirteen year old, eleven year old. I got a six year old daughter, and then I got a eleven month old daughter. So I'm wow. busy. Uh, it sounds That's like you are. It's been well. And I know you, you and, uh, were directly involved in a lot of youth basketball and, and clinics and things yeah. like that. Or, and I know when you were here in Kentucky, especially around Lexington. Yeah. But are you, are you still doing anything like that uh, in your in your spare time? And it don't sound like you have a lot of spare time, but are you still doing anything like that now? No, I just take off and go with the boys, and we play we play on you know we play travel ball and stuff like that, and we play in leagues. So I go with them, and and you know I, I help coach a little bit, but. Um, you know, coming down here and starting up a new business and, you know, having four kids, it's just not a, a, a whole lot of time to be able to do that. But, um, right. you know, back in, back whenever I was in Lexington doing the Kentucky Basketball Academy, you know, that's all I did. You know, run that, yeah. run tournaments, run basketball leagues and camps and stuff like that. It was fantastic. But uh, that's all. now that we're here, a little change of pace and, uh, much much better weather. Uh, yeah, you know, man. I, I mean, for the, sure. The, <laughs> right? Yeah, miss the, the friends, but the weather's, the weather's fantastic. And, uh, you know, just a change in lifestyle. And uh, we're enjoying it. And, you know, everybody's healthy. And that's that's really what matters. And, you know, we're excited. We're going to keep the lead for us. Well, it sounds like in about four or five years we, we'll have another – Cricket to rebound, and uh, it sounds good to me. You say you got two boys. We have them back to two back. Of them. <laughs> they're both they're both playing ball. They like it a lot. So that's good. That's what we want. That's good. That's good. Heck yeah. So. Well, Jared, I can't thank you enough for for joining us today. And uh, you have anything else going on that you'd like to talk about? I mean, it, it's your time now, and. Uh, I can't thank you enough for being with us and, and how and how much this means to us and everybody out here listening, and hopefully we can do it again, too. And I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, you know, I appreciate the Blue Fan Base and all the support that all the fans have given us over the years. You know, it means a lot. It goes a long way. Uh, it, it, it's helped me through through a lot in my career. And uh, very appreciative. That's about it, man. You know, appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, yeah, and you got it. 
Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks you a got lot. You. Hope you and your family stay safe in this pandemic, and uh, and uh, we'll, we'll do this again, okay? Okay. Sounds good, guys. Thank you. Yep. Have a good Thank one, Jared. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. All right. Yeah. You can't really ask nice for much interview. more than that. Can't ask no. for much more than that. We're, we're blessed to be doing this. There ain't no doubt about it. And one thing it, uh, that I just realized whenever you, you said goodbye is we we had not once mentioned the coronavirus <laughs> until then. No. That was pretty awesome. I know. We, we kind it, of forgot it is, about it, it tonight. Well, it's a good feeling. But, you know, I actually had to have – I was tested this week, which was strange because I was showing some uh, – symptoms and but uh and they wanted me to, to do the test so uh luckily it came out negative and who knows i don't know if i just had a, a virus or i don't know i really don't know i didn't really feel that sick i was just running a fever and and had some congestion so naturally i was a little concerned they, they said it wanted you know i needed to have the have the test so but it, it turned yeah. out okay so well good. we've both had it now we both passed it so Apparently, we're good at passing tests. That's a good thing. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> yeah. I well, you sure don't, don't want no part of that. Well, but I tell you, now here's the downside of it. It doesn't mean we won't get it. I mean, you know, that's just uh, – exactly. it, it, It's scary. I, I don't know, man. It's just – it's still – who knows, man. I, I tell you what, but it, it just seems like things are getting a little better, and hopefully it's just going to keep improving. And we we see these numbers stay down, but you know I see some things around here that are just unbelievable. I think people have gotten a false sense of security, and you know I'm seeing people out more and more, and and not following the governor's orders, and it's uh, it, it's kind of frightening in a way. But uh, hopefully, hopefully this thing just goes away. I, I just want it to go away so we can get back to normal life. Well, you know I go back and forth on it myself, and. I'm kind of, you know, I have to go to work every day, and there hasn't really a whole lot changed in my life, really. I mean, other than I just try to keep six feet away from people. At some point, we got to go back to work, you know. The economy is just going to crash if we don't. So I don't know. It's just damned if you do, damned if you don't type situation. But, but that is what it is. And uh, so we'll have Scott Padgett coming up here soon, and it's – it's been a pretty good show. I mean, we've never had three guys on at once, and it kind of worked out that way this week, and it's been it's been nice. I mean, I wondered before we had them on, I wondered what Jared and Andre were doing, you know, these days. It's pretty cool. It's right. pretty cool. Yeah, and, you know, it's just, it is funny to hear from these guys. It's really neat to hear from them. And, uh, you know, it's uh, – you know, it's it's kind of good to hear the side of what these guys have done. And, you know, everybody has success somewhere or another and, and some other find other ways of being successful. And, you know, Jared did get to play some international basketball. Andre played international basketball. And, uh, but, you know, now they've got successful careers in, in what they're doing. And, you know, it just shows you the importance of getting your degree. And and they they both did at Kentucky and you know and hats off to them it, it's a it, it's a huge statement for those guys and uh, you know and I think you know both of the 
both of them have been involved in youth sports and coaching at some level. And uh, but you know they they chose a different path. But it does sound like you know Jared's got his hands full with kids, and you know at least he's you know basketball's still part of his life, and, and Andre too. So but it's just neat to see you know what Kentucky basketball did for them, and and, and you know the the joy they brought to us being able to watch them play at Kentucky. Exactly, and Scott. Scott played in the NBA. I'm pretty sure he played for the Jazz, if I remember correctly. And uh, yeah, he played for maybe yeah. maybe a couple he's others. Good. I was gonna say he he played pretty well. He was a first round draft pick, if I ain't mistaken. I think he was like 28th pick. But he, like I say, he stuck around the NBA for a couple of years. And I think I don't yeah. know if he went and played overseas after that or not. But I know he had some he's had some coaching jobs and. Uh, but he's he's another one of those guys. He's a Kentucky guy. He's born and raised Kentucky. I'm pretty sure he played at uh, was it? Uh, I can't remember. He played in Louisville, but I'm trying to remember the team. Do you remember? Yeah, I do. And but I oh, I'm sorry, Benny. I lost I lost part of that conversation. Huh? I was just wondering if you remember what high school he played for. Was it Ballard? Oh, Scott Padgett? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I want to make sure I heard you right. Yes, St. X, St. Xavier. Saint, yes, that's it. I remember he he played in Kentucky, but I couldn't remember exactly where. But he, he was a heck of a player, man. Him, him and Cameron Mills made some big shots in 98, man. That's that's still probably one of the most, what would you call it, unexpected championships because Patino had just left. And Tubby mm-hmm. played a lot different style, and, and, and a lot of people were just like, Ugh. but, man, he took that team, and uh, they went on that run. And like I say, you remember we had Jeff on, we talked about that ankle sprain, and we thought we were doomed. But he came back from that lightning speed, dude, and he was coming off that curl just dragging them shots. <laughs> I'll never forget that yeah, team, right. you know. And, and like I say, no, that was a fun team. There's so many teams that guys like us remember in there. And the younger generation, I hope they have the same thing coming down the road. You know, they've got the 2012 team, and I'm sure they remember the Harrison's run, which I remember. You know, that's part of my memory. Stan is saying, you know, someday these guys that they're watching now will be like us. You know, it'll be the old the old guys that did it back then, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was an awesome team. And, you know, one thing that – it, it bothers me sometimes still to hear people say that that was, you know, Tubby inherited that team from Rick Patino. Well, you know, I mean, Patino did build most of that team, but but it still took co- Tubby's coaching to get them to, to that level and get them to that game and, and win that game. And they man, some great games to get there. I mean, incredible games. And Tubby did an incredible job of coaching that team. Because it doesn't matter. You can be handed a team. And, and, and you said – Said it best, Penny. The difficulty. You know, Patino had just left, and, and here Tubby Smith in his first year. Man, it, it is. It's incredible what he did. And, you know, he had some good teams, and Tubby Smith always had a good team. He always had a good team at Kentucky, and, and they just had some tough bounces. And but uh, you know, and you and I both have spoken fondly of Tubby Smith, and I, I think he's still one of the best coaches in the game. And Definitely a good, great exes in those coaches, and uh, he wasn't really that bad of a recruiter. He just, you know, just 
a little bit. He, he's not a John Calipari at recruiting, but he did bring some pretty good players in here. And he was, you know, I always loved Tubby's defenses. I thought his defenses were some of the best defenses in, in the country year in and year out. And uh, yeah, that ball line defense was, was something else. But you know, I'll say this about Tubby: I don't, and I don't know for sure, but I don't think Rick could have won with that team. I think it's I don't know uh, his coach, and, and I'm not saying yeah. that he couldn't have, but I don't, I don't think he could. But that's just my opinion on that. It always has been. And Tubby's struggling a little bit recruiting because of the way things turned. I and mean, it was around that time. You know, in the 2000s, early 2000s, AAU started, you know, how do you say that without sounding, it's just a different attitude, I guess. And he didn't deal well mm-hmm. with uh, with diva attitudes, basically. <laughs> and he, no. he just wasn't having it, you know. That's that's no fault of his. That's just the time's changing, you know. Right. And, you know, and I'll tell you what, and, and you know, Scott had a great – he had a big shot against Duke, but I remember a big game against Michigan State, too. And, uh, you know, they got Padgett's years there at Kentucky. You know, Kentucky challenged every year for, for a championship and, and just some great teams. And But, you know, Scott Padgett is, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, the fan – he's always been a fan favorite. But, you know, like we said at the first of the show, you know, we've had Andre and Jared and, and – Scott Padgett, and you think of those guys, and you talk about some blue-collar, hard-working players. I mean, man, they worked their tails off in the games, and uh, all three of them have that have that mo. And, and it's hard to find that in these a lot of these players today. Well, the one thing that goes undersold about that '98 team: how many guys they had that flat out didn't care to take the big shot. I mean, I mean, you even go from a one-time walk-on. Coming off the bench, Cameron Mills, draining shot to put Duke away, basically. And then you got you got Jeff Shepard. He, he made big shot after big shot. Scott Padgett and Wayne Turner. I mean, yeah. they had some killers on that team. And a lot of times, that's something that's hard to measure is the killer instinct. You know, Jordan and Kobe had it. There's a lot of guys, you know, there's a lot of guys in college that don't have that killer instinct. I can think of. You know, the one that sticks out to me, and I ain't picking on Louisville, is the one they had this year, that Nora kid. He's a great player, but he just didn't have that, give me the ball, get out of my way, I'm going to get this. You know, there's something to be said about that. you got to have that killer instinct. Somebody's got to have it. And when you got four guys on the same team that's got it, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a confidence. It's a confidence. It's it's a hard-nosed toughness. And that team definitely had it. I mean, they had – tell you what, Nazi Muhammad on that team was, was great. And, you know, look, he, he had a good NBA career. Really probably a better NBA career than he did at Kentucky. But, you know, he was a force there. And it, that was a fun team. And I'll never forget it. What what a high. And I would have loved to have seen the three-peat, you know. And, and we just came up short there. And Jared told us a little bit about that. And, you know – and undoubtedly, if we'd had Derek Anderson that game, a healthy Derek Anderson, and he was released to play. He was given the green light to play, but Patino didn't play him, and, except for the technical. And uh, But, you know, if we'd had Derek Anderson, 
I believe if he'd have played that game, you know, you're looking at 10 or 15 point swing, in my opinion. And but you know, it's it's funny you, you put him in there after he'd been out. Of course, his conditioning and everything is working out with the team, but it might have affected the chemistry where Arizona won by 20 points. You know, you just never know the outcome of a game and and how much the chemistry. You know, Derek had played with them all year, but still, he you know he missed all that time for the for the arthroscopic surgery and everything. So it, it's it's hard to say, but you would just generally think he would make a difference in the game. You know, no matter what kind of position or shape he was in. Psychologically, for his, but man, you know that would have just been a big energy boost. And I get yeah. what Patino was doing. He was looking out for the kid's future because if he gets hurt in that game. Patino's known as the one that killed Derek Anderson's career. You know, I get it. It's a big, big decision that. And, and I think Patino was probably thinking he could win without him, to be honest with you. And they almost did. It went to overtime. Yeah. And it was it was a tough game. Yeah, and I mean, man, I remember it was a tough loss too. And but uh, but yeah, Tubby came in the next year, and it, it it was Tubby time, and and they did it again. And that was uh, you know, for me. It really, those three years, really, you, you can surround it three, side, three years on either side of that. And those are some of the best years for Kentucky basketball. And the rebuilding Patino did there was incredible. And just those teams. And, you know, and Patino got us back to that plateau. And, and, and we've been there since. And we had a few slip-ups with, you know, Billy G, Billy Clyde. But, uh but other than that, you know, Kentucky's where it needs to be now. And But those 90s were some great teams. And, man, it was a lot of fun seeing Kentucky return to the spotlight. Yes, it was. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, you got to give Rick credit for bringing us back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he, he was amazing. Yeah. He definitely was. And uh, they say we're about, uh, I'm probably six minutes away from Scott Padgett. And uh, and we're looking forward to having him on. We've had Andre Riddick and uh, Jerry Prickett on tonight. We've had some good conversations. And uh, if what do you think about next year's roster, Lee? Where do you think, where do you think we're going to go? And I'll be right back. Well, I think, you know, folks, and you can agree with me or disagree with me, it's been a kind of a strange recruiting year. You know, a lot of these last-minute recruits and transfers haven't come through, and we touched on that a little bit earlier in the show. And um, I think the, the Harms kid, I, I wasn't really seeing that as a good fit at Kentucky anyway, and I know he, he ended up going to uh, BYU, which – you know, yeah, that's that's a that's a real winner there. Uh, figure that one out. But you know, it's just to me, I don't think the kid had the toughness to fit the Kentucky Kentucky profile. I think you know, Kentucky needs a tougher, hard-nosed kid, and I think this kid chose an easier path, and and that's what happened. And uh, but you know, you look at the. Uh, the Brown fella, you know, and that, that was pretty much Texas the whole time with Greg Brown, and uh, I wasn't surprised about that one either. And, Me neither. Uh, I wasn't surprised know, about Greg at all. 
I've been told by several people that she wasn't really even an option, so people that I trust. So I was holding out hoping it was a Kevin Knox situation, but it definitely wasn't. <laughs> yeah, but Greg Brown wasn't really a center anyway. He's he a big guy, but he wasn't really a center, you know. I think Kentucky's going to be a fun team to watch. I, I think, you know, that we're still – we're still going to end up with somebody else. We're going to get in our transfer or another player, and we'll just have to see what, what happens. But I think Kentucky's in, in good shape. They're going to be a smaller team than usual. Uh, it would have been nice to see E.J. Montgomery. But I'm going to be honest with you, E.J., even his progress and everything, I don't think would have been a savior, you know, for Kentucky. This not, unless be he, one of not unless he'd have made some shots, you know, which I believe he's capable of making shots. And I actually heard that he made them in his workouts last year in the yeah. NBA, you know. But but you got to do that on the big stage, you know, and that's part of it. I mean, yeah. I had a coach once tell me I was the greatest warm-up shooter he ever seen. <laughs> wow. That cracks yeah. me up to this day, but he, he was right about that sometimes. I make 100 in a row in warm-ups, but you got to make them in the games when they count, you know. Right. And, and, you know, and it's funny to say, you know, to me, you've got these guys and, and you've got players that are, are good role players and you've got the ones that just have that star power. And, and it's, it's it's easy to see those guys. And, you know, you think about Jamal Mashburn and, and uh, Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, these guys, that they're, they're just a determination there with those guys. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, and then there's several, you know, and, and, but, you know, a good basketball team, and, and, and it's funny to say this because you look at a lot of these, these teams that win national championships, they don't always have a lot of players that have long standout careers in the NBA and, and because they have a lot of role players and they've got a chemistry with the players they have and they just play good basketball together as a team, as one unit. And and that's what it takes to win a championship. You've got to have everybody firing in, in for the guys that are having an off game, you've got to have somebody step up for them. And But that's just basketball. And, you know, and I don't know, EJ, you know, to me, EJ just never did seem to have that star power. I don't think that he would, would, would ever be a star in the NBA. And I don't know, you know, the only one I see that from this year's team that has a chance to be one is definitely uh, at Maxie. And, and I keep quickly, it could be. You know, he's got the potential. Uh, Nick Richards, I think Nick Richards is going to be a good center. I think he's going to be a good NBA player. But I don't think he's going to be, you know, on the all-star roster, you know, anytime soon. And uh, no knock against those guys. But, you know, it's just it's just the way it is, you know. You know who Nick reminds me of? I don't know if you remember this guy, but he's always reminded me of this. And it may just be crazy. I don't know if you remember, played for the Pacers, Rick Smith. He reminds yeah. me a lot of him. <laughs> he, he's a good yeah. shooter, solid big man. I think that's the kind of future that, that Nick has, honestly. I really do. I, maybe it's a little different in today's game, the way they play the game. But, but you know, I think he's got that kind of skill. Yeah, and Smith, I believe, played for the Pacers. I actually think that – I think Smith was with the Pacers – in the only NBA game I ever went to was Utah Jazz at the Indiana Pacers in Indianapolis. And uh, I believe Smith was playing in. I, I, I want to say he was. I know Detlef Shrimp was on that team, Reggie Miller. It was a good team. But I think I think Smith was there. 
I do remember him. He was kind of a he was a lanky, lanky player. He was uh, kind of a little bit awkward. You know, seemed like he's one of those guys. That, and anybody that plays basketball, you know what I'm talking about. He was an elbows player, a lot of elbows. And uh, yeah. but he was a, he's a good shooter, good shooter. Bang. Yeah, yeah, you know, he got in like Nick got like that yeah. fifteen to eighteen foot range, and he was just deadly. And I think Nick has that. And I do too. You know, Nick, Nick's, I think Nick's a little more athletic than him, but I mean, I just mean as far as the production wise, pro, I think that Rick Smith's is is a capable, you know, is a comparable guy to what Nick will be. And I, you know, the only thing I worry about Nick sometimes, and I think I've seen a lot of that change this year, was his. His willingness to be shoved around early in his career, but now I think I think he's overcoming that. And sometimes, sometimes you just got to be mean. You know what I mean? And I think it, I think that's what EJ Montgomery was missing a lot too. Sometimes you just got to be mean. You got to have a toughness, and you know I tell you, you know from from Nick's freshman season to this year, his footwork and his quickness just just got so much better. And you know. And I remember us talking about this when we first started doing the show is that, you know, Nick had that deer in the headlights look on his face a lot of times. And But, you know, you could see it was nice to see that transition to this year, just the confidence grow where, you know, he, the thinking, and that's the whole thing, is you, you got to take the thinking out to where when you get the ball or there's a play, you just react, and you could start seeing. You know, Nick started reacting instead of thinking. Oh, what do I do? You know, it's kind of. You could kind of see that anybody that's coached, has definitely coached youth players or, or young players, knows what I'm talking about. And you know, to where you know it's that you catch the ball, all right? Then you think, okay, now I got to dribble the ball. Now, I, okay, now I stop. Now I do a ball fake. Now I shoot it. You know. But you can see, you can see that all go away with Nick this year. He was just man. It was like boom. He just was clicking, and and it was fun to see. And I tell you what, I I really, I really would love to see him. And gone, I get it. But I would have loved to have seen him play a fourth year at Kentucky. And I tell you right now, honestly, if we had Nick back, I really think Kentucky would be a unanimous number one. And I don't know anybody that could beat Kentucky next year if we'd had Nick Richards back. Well, that may be so, but right now I want to welcome in uh, Scott Padgett to the show. He's been waiting while you while you did that little Nick rant there. <laughs> How you guys doing? Thanks, Good. Scott. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. I hope I didn't lose no. Benny. No, you're not here. I was I was letting you go there, buddy. Go ahead. Scott, thanks for taking time out of your day. Oh, no, we didn't get no to problem. Give you a, we didn't get to give you a big introduction, but uh, for anybody that doesn't know who Scott Paget is, he helped lead Kentucky to the 1998 national championship. In his four seasons as a Wildcat, he was named to the All NCAA Final Four two years in a row. He also joined an elite list of Kentucky players, being named an All-American, and that's that's quite a statement in itself. And, uh, Scott, I know there's so many things that we want to ask you, and I know our time is limited and we don't want to keep you on your Sunday like this too long, but uh, you, you have a lot of unique things as a player at Kentucky. You, you actually got to play for two different coaches. Not a lot of players got to do that. Uh, 
can you walk us through a little bit what the transition was like going from Rick Pitino to Tubby Smith since we were just talking about them in, in the 96, 97, 98 teams? And uh, so what was the transition like for you? Well, I think uh, initially the transition was was fairly easy in that uh, I think when Tubby first came in, I don't think he tried to go in and change everything that we were doing, you know. So, you know, he had he had been there and been an assistant under Coach Patino. He knew the system, uh, which you know he every every coach when they be, become a head coach tweaks things and makes things their own. So obviously, the way he played at Georgia, you know, uh, or coached at Georgia wasn't exactly how he came into Kentucky and wasn't his ideal style, but I think he knew he had a pretty good team that was built to play a certain way. So he didn't come in and try to just change everything right away. So that made it easier. I think uh, the the big key really was trying to get total, like get the whole team to totally buy in. Like I think we all uh, believed in him and everything, but we had been, you know, kind of trained to do certain things uh, a certain way for so long because a lot of us were, we were upperclassmen, juniors and seniors uh, on that 98 team that you've been doing certain things a certain way for so long you don't like change. And, and you know, like I say, there was minimal change, but there was change. And I think, uh, you know, after we lost, uh, you know, a couple games there at home, I think, you know, the the kind of thing, the straw that broke the camel's back for our team to, to really just kind of uh, buy into everything was uh, losing to Ole Miss at home. You know, we had a little team meeting and just said, hey, listen, this is our guy. Everybody buy, on, buy totally in and see what we can do, you know. And uh, I think we had a pretty good group of, of, of upperclassmen leadership. So uh, I don't think there was ever any major, major problems, but there was like little tweaks of, of us just totally buying in. Uh, and I think Tubby, like I say, did a great job of not trying to come in and change make wholesale change when he walked in the door. Awesome, awesome. And uh you guys went on a went on a heck of a run that year and I mean I like I like I was talking to Lee earlier, it was kinda like it not really that we didn't think you guys were were good. It was an unexpected because of the transition championship that year anyway. Because we thought it would take him longer to to get his you know, get his style of play in and like you said, apparently we didn't notice that he didn't try to change it all at once and it, it was a gradual thing. But and I also told Lee and I and I don't expect you to comment on that part, but I didn't think Rick could have won with that team like Tubby did. Well, I think one of the things that really drove that ninety eight team was coming into the year there was a lot of people that doubted us doubted that we could do it with, you know, a, a first-year coach. In the pro- obviously not a first-year coach, but first year with the program, uh, a new coach. Obviously, you know, uh, Coach Patino, Hall of Famer, and, and had just come off of a championship in a back-to-back and was going to the pros, obviously one of the best coaches uh, to ever coach in, in college basketball. There was a lot of people that doubted us, and I think that fueled a lot of fire for the things that we did in the off-season workouts and motivation to get back to the final four and things like that. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, one of the things that really drove us is just we had such a close knit team, you know, like we weren't for sure the 96 team where you had, you know, whatever, nine 
future NBA players or whatever on that team. That wasn't us. Uh, we didn't have the star power of Tony Delk and Ron Mercer and Derek Anderson, Antoine Walker. You know, we, we didn't have that superstar. What we had was a lot of really darn good college basketball players and a couple pros, but not like, you know, I don't know if any of us were surefire pros on that team. You know, Nazi, I think was the 28th pick. I was the 28th pick the next year and Jamal went in the twenties, but you know, like, but, but I'll tell you this right now, you don't get the credit he deserves, but Wayne Turner drove the team, you know, like he made us go. He was the, he was the, the head of the snake on offense and defense. So, uh, but, and, and he might be one of the best just winning players of all time in college basketball. Uh, we were talking about that before you, before you came on about your team. And, and, and the one thing a lot of people that goes undersold on that team was you had four guys killer. I mean, it's just something you can't coach that killer instinct. that didn't care to take that shot. When it, and one of them was a walk on. Well, he wasn't a walk on when it happened, but he was, Started out as a walk-on, Cameron Mills. You guys just made big shot after big shot, and Wayne Turner carried you all back in that Duke game. If I remember correctly, it seemed like he just he just took Woe Joe to school. Well, you know it's funny. Like if you go back and and look at the stats and stuff, like Wayne played huge in postseason every year. You know, like. 97, 98, 99, you know, like every year he, he had big postseasons. And I think that's one of those things where, um, you know, in, in our league, I think he probably got a lot more respect and more, you know, with a more focal point. So people worried about him more when you just come in and you look at us from a, somebody from the outside, you come in and you see four or five guys averaging double figures. So you don't really know who, really to, to try to stop. And he wasn't our leading scorer. He's, I think he was our fourth or fifth leading scorer, you know. So so it's one of those things, because he wasn't just a score, 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 I don't know that they focus on stopping him as much as they might have put attention on Nazi and, and Jeff Shepard specifically, because Nazi, I mean, you, you had a big focus on trying to stop inside players, you know, back then. Back then, the, the inside player was a whole lot more – important maybe than it is in today's game but Nazi was really really tough down there so teams really focused on him they, they would double him and, and things like that and then Jeff our leading scorer so they got a lot of focus and I think that Wayne just in this situation could take anybody you know in college basketball mm-hmm. and what happened was he would score a little bit then they'd focus on trying to stop him and then he'd find everybody else and we had a team that you know, could score at every whoever was on the floor could score. You know, uh, one through one through our our nine and even ten when we, when we played Mike Bradley, uh, who would come in and, and play well for us off the bench. Probably didn't get yeah. as many minutes as 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 he was as he could could have done. But everybody on the floor could make a shot, could score the ball. So Wayne just picked people apart with his penetration. Yeah, and, and matter of fact, and Wayne's going to be joining us next week. And for all our listeners out there, and I, I thought the world of Wayne Turner. I thought you're, you're right; he drove that team, and 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 I don't think he gets a lot of the credit he deserved either. And and growing up in Kentucky, Scott, you you were a big Kentucky fan. And in '92, the Duke Kentucky game, the game, it affected you like it did most people in Kentucky, and and I believe. And I've read reports where you actually cried after that game. 
And, and I should have uh, cheered, too. I think too. those are a little exaggerated, but I will say that I did break a TV. <laughs> <laughs> I threw something so I and hit the TV and broke it. So on top, of, on top of Kentucky losing, I got in trouble for breaking a TV. So uh, it was yeah. a good night. <laughs> That's oh, but, uh, that was my sophomore but, year, and I, I've only cried once since then. But I did cry that night. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> Well, you know, it was – you know what's crazy about the whole situation? Growing up, uh, you know, that there was a couple years there, obviously, Eddie Sutton's last year and then Rick Pitino's first two years where you couldn't go to the NCAA tournament uh, because of the penalties. So, like, you started, you know, watching the tournament, and you're like, I actually – this is crazy to say now because I can't stand them. But, like, the team I liked outside of Kentucky was Duke. And wow. if you would have said, who's my favorite player outside of the University of Kentucky? Like, my favorite player growing up was always whoever the best player, you know, like was Mash and Rex and, you know, you know John Telford, you know, those guys. But my favorite player outside of Kentucky, I would have said, because the type of player I was and stuff like that, being a bigger guy, the shot was Leitner. And then he stopped wow. on a music test and he made that shot, and now I'm the guy who, who, who still hates Leitner. <laughs> you know, i got to so, tell you something uh, funny about Leitner. I hated Lightner, I ain't going to lie. But I'm a big fisherman, and I found out that uh, Christian Lightner does a lot of fishing on the same lake that I fish on, and I've kind of softened since then. And he's supposedly, we're going to find out, big buddies with J.R. Van Hoots. And, but we're, we're actually going to try to get Christian on just for just, <laughs> just to make it a little fun and see if he'll come on. I don't know if he will. But, but yeah, I kind of softened on Christian Lightner after I found out he was a big-time fisherman. <laughs> Well, I probably was soft on him on the front end. I ain't softened on the back end. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'll tell you, though, as as bad as that was in 92, that shot you made against Duke in that game and and your celebration after that running down the floor, how did that feel? What was going through your mind right then? Um, Well, you know, first that shot, 100%, it's – Two things. It's Tubby with the lineup that he put in. You know, he had me at the time. I was playing center during during that point of the game, and they had Elton yeah. Brand guard me. And Elton mm-hmm. Brand had been, you know, the traditional center, like Nazi, used to be in around the basket. And yeah. I, I really believe he just had no idea that, oh, my goodness, I'm guarding a guy, you know, like until the ball was passed <laughs> to me and it was too late, it's too late then. He had no idea. He wasn't thinking that I'm guarding a shooter at the time. He left and helped yeah. out Wayne, which was goes back to Wayne killing, you know, that, that second half going against Wojo, getting in the paint. And he left to help on Wayne. Wayne passed me the ball. And, you know, uh, it was one of those, like, uh, you're growing up in the backyard and 3-2-1 kind of deal, and, and you hit the shot. And, yeah. and it's one of those things, like, <laughs> I, I would be a dead liar if I didn't say – in my mind, like like it was like in your face, Leitner, in your face, do you know? Like because I knew I knew, once, I knew once we went up right there, we were going to win that game. You know, like I knew yes, there was sir. no way. And you guys were way down. down. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, we were down 18 at shooter. one point. <laughs> yeah, we were down 18 at 1.17. Well, 17 yeah. in the second half, but it's crazy. What people don't realize is. That run, it was back to a game in five trips because yeah. we got to stop 
we hit a three. We got to stop. We hit a three. We got to stop. Wayne got to end one three. We got to stop. We hit a three. And now we come down and we get a two. It's a three. You know, in five tricks, it was a three, four point game. You know, like, so, yeah. so like, we were down 17, but with nine minutes left to go, it was back to, all right, this is a war. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it, it happens yeah. so fast. There's so many things you'll never funny. forget. What in the world is McClure doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jamal was one of the guys in my group of guys that we used to watch the, the Monday night WCW, WWF back then, wrestling stuff, and, we all knew wow. what he was doing. He was putting them, He was putting one of those holds that he used to put on Massey in, in, in the room. He's putting one of those on him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that that's funny. That, that's good stuff. You know, it's, <laughs> oh, that's that's hilarious because we're all like, yeah, just chuck him out, just chuck him out. No, we needed him to stay in. He couldn't guard Wojo. We needed him to stay. I mean, Wojo couldn't guard Wayne. We needed him to stay in the game. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. That's why you become a coach right there. <laughs> Scott, what what did you learn from Patino and Smith that translated over to your coaching? Um, I would say the first and foremost thing that I learned from coach P uh, that you try to push home and drive home to your team is, 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 is the family environment of the, of the team. Uh, we were, and that's what I think, I think it's special about every team that I played on, but I think, you know, to me, even 98 is, is probably just even more, but how close we were to, as a group and, and still are like tonight, when I get off this phone tonight in a couple hours, we're going to have a, a zoom chat with, and, and it's, it's all of our wives and, but it's Nazi Muhammad, me and, and Alan Edwards and our wives will get on and kind of have like a little, you know, uh, evening chat. We call it happy hour every weekend that we've been doing it during this, uh, this, you know, quarantine stuff. And, you know, that was, 20 some odd year, you know, 22 years ago or whatever. And, and we're still close like that. And I talk to Cameron all the time, still talk to Shep, whose son is phenomenal. If y'all haven't seen him play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, yeah. And I can say that right now. <laughs> but, you know, like, I recruited him. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's one of those things where we, we still stay in touch and, uh, you know, obviously Masiello, I, I, I worked with at Manhattan. We played him this year yeah. when I was down here at Sanford, and you know, it, it's uh, it's just a it was just a special group. And I don't know that you have groups like like that anymore because there's so many kids that do transfer out. Like nobody was leaving us, you know. Like like right. you wouldn't want to you wouldn't have wanted to transfer not because of going to another school, because you wouldn't want to let your brother down. You know, like that's right. how close that team is. And so that's what was special to me. That's what I tried to hit home to, to my teams. Obviously, from a playing style, I, I loved the pressing style we had under Coach Patino. We pressed uh, when I coached here at Sanford. And then uh, uh, from Coach Smith, you know, to me, one of the things that that he helped me with and, and moving forward that I tried to is that, that – uh, 
that develop player development. Get you know whatever the player is, you get them, and you've seen it over the years. He had Gerald Fitch and Chuck Hayes and and, and these guys that um, that weren't necessarily ballyhoo superstar All American guys. Those three star type players that become you know Kentucky legends. You know. Like, uh, mm-hmm. But that player development piece, where you, whatever the guy is when he gets here, he's a whole other level player when he leaves. You know, and uh, yeah. you know, and that's that's important. I think those are two things I really take from them too. That's good. Yeah, that's uh, that's a factor there. That you know, that's what a lot of these young guys today and. And, and I know you're a Patino guy, but Calipari and, and Kenny Payne do a great job of uh, of developing talent, and they do it on the fly, I, and it's it's hard. I think Calipari and what they do is amazing because here's the reality: I was there with Coach Cal his first year at Kentucky, and we were doing dribble drive with John Wall and Bledsoe, and, yeah. uh, and as the year went along, he saw how good Cousins was, and and we started putting in some post plays for him. You know, and, 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 and like what he does is literally he goes out and says, I'm going to go get the best, whatever, 10 dudes I can, and then I'll figure out how to piece them together. And he does it. And by the end of the year, every year they're playing better. You know, like they might – some years they're great at the beginning all the way through, and some years they start slow. But at the end of the year they're playing better because it it, it might take him sometimes a little bit longer, but he figures out how to put those guys in the best situation to bring out their talent, and that's impressive. I mean, he's he's, he's literally a, a a chameleon coach in that he can change what. Because most coaches say, "This is my style. This is what I do. I'm going to recruit to it. This is what you're going to do when you get here." And he has changed. Like I say, you go back to year one. He was doing dribble drive. Uh, you know, you come with Brandon Knight. They're doing dribble handoffs and pin downs because he was a really good shooter. Then you went to the Twins. They weren't as good as just beating their man, so they put them in pick and roll and Tyler Eulis in pick and roll. And, then, and you know, it's just it's just slowly like he's changed to, to fit the needs of the players and their skill. And, and then you look at it, the guys who have decided to come back, like a P.J. Washington, like a Nick Richards, oh. look how much better they are than they were year one. You know, like, well, let me ask them. you. Let me ask you, is it just – is it just random chance, circumstance, or whatever that they have not that they have not landed that big big guy, big recruit here lately, or is it the style of play? Because there's a lot of people saying the style of play, which I don't necessarily agree with, because I think he let this guy he let EJ Montgomery take some shots. Let me tell you, he just didn't make it. Um, I, I think that's just to be honest with you. I think the number one reason why he was getting whatever, John Wall and, and Anthony Davis and and those guys early on and maybe hasn't got some of those pieces, if you ask me, the number one reason is is that Krzyzewski got to coach USA basketball, you know, because that's yeah. who's getting them now, Zion Williamson. You know, but, and, and here's what I'll say is I think there's about to be some changes in college basketball again, you know, and I think he'll adapt to it and he'll find a way to, to, to succeed in it. He's succeeded everywhere. Uh, that he's been, and, and and what I do know about him is he's not the guy that's going to be sitting back and having to react to a situation. He's thinking right now, all right, this is what the rules are and how they're about to change. What? How can I make this work in my? Because here's the reality: one and done, 
He didn't make the rule. He's the one who drove oh. it and perfected it. He just perfected right. it, exactly. You know? yeah. Do you think this uh, this G League thing is going to hurt college basketball, or do you think it's going to help long term? Here's what I, I, my personal opinion is. Um, college basketball, what they need is, is kids who, who want to go in there, want to develop, want to get better. And, and for the college basketball to be its best is – and, and and these things can coincide with one another. They need kids to focus on the team getting better and winning. And you know what happens if you're working, worried about the team focusing, getting better and winning? You get better. You, know, you win. When the, team, when, the team, <laughs> when the team succeeds, you benefit from it. Because I can tell you this right now. There's a whole lot of guys out there that are just as good as Scott Padgett that never made it to the NBA. But here's why Scott Padgett did <laughs> Because we went to the 96, 97, 98 championship games, and I was in a big part of those, and and got and people saw me on TV, and I was in big games, big games, big games, and the scouts saw it, and they said, we want a winner, we want a guy who's been in those moments, and that's why they gave me a chance. Whereas other people who went to other places didn't get those opportunities, and and everything I ever got as a player came because of the success of the teams that I played on, you know, and and exactly. I think. If he play, I think one and done is the worst thing for college basketball because of this. The best players are coming, and they are they are not. I'm not saying all. The majority are not focused on going in and trying to make the team the best they can be. They're trying to go out there and raise their stock, so that the draft they're they're going to be in a higher position at the end of the year than they were before in the draft. There are. There are definitely you know exceptions to that, but the majority of the kids that's what that's another thing that I think is impressive about what Cal's done is he gets those guys to buy into the program because if you look at them when they leave after one year, they are still big blue nation when they're out there in the NBA when they're talking when they when they come back to town all those things exactly you know what I'm saying so. Yep. So, you know, it's it's one of those things I don't think the G League thing will hurt because here's what I'll say is you had the era when I was coming through of Kevin Garnett going pro, Kobe Bryant going pro, Chase McGrady going pro straight out of high school, those guys going pro, and you know what happened? Those were great years. Go look at 96, 98, 98, exactly. 99, 2000, yeah. 2000. I think we should go back to that. For, for, forget Kentucky basketball. Tell me it wasn't exciting, uh, you know, when when Maryland and Duke were playing, when Jay Will was, you know, like you know, like those yeah. were those were yeah, good years had, when people were going. You still had Larry Johnson, Stacey Augman, all them guys out in, in, in UNLV. They were still, you know, yeah. they were still one yeah. heck of a team. Probably still to this day, one of the greatest teams of all time. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, and I'm glad you say that, Scott, because I, I think a lot of people. Get disgruntled with Calipari just just over that, and, and you know, the the day has gone really where you had the coaches and the old coaching style was you know the the coach had a system and then this was how you were going to do it and you came and you 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 learned that system and that it, it was hell or high water that you weren't going to do anything else and but that day's come and gone and, and I think Calipari is he's a uh, he's a he's He's on top of his game. I mean, he he knows what he's doing. 
he, he's an inventor. I mean, he's he's inventing the a, a new style of game, and and he's adapted to the changes, and he's constantly adapting. And you're right, you you made a big point there, where he's not going to react. He's already thinking and planning, and and that guy, I don't think he ever sleeps. I think his mind's constantly working on the game, and and I'm glad you said that because there are a lot of naysayers, and but I think what he's done is nothing short of incredible. Well. And I also think this. I think, and I'm one of them, because I'm, I'm, I might I might not be I might have played there and I might be done and all that. But I'm a Kentucky fan. You know what I'm saying? So, I, so here's the reality: is as a Kentucky fan, we are spoiled in the fact that we got a great team every you year. We got a great team every year. We got we got we got a chance. See, here's the reality: is there is a lot of programs out there, a lot of them. And, I, and I'll even go out there. Villanova's won two championships here recently, right? Yeah. Think about how many years Jay Wright was the guy who lo- who loses it, uh, who loses the big game, who, who wasn't getting out of the you know first exactly. two three rounds. Yeah, exactly. With, and, and here's and here's what I'll say is, and Jay Wright's a great great coach and has a great great yeah. program. It ain't yeah. easy. It doesn't matter how good you are. Mike Shashevsky got number one classes and all that stuff. Been around forever. He ain't winning it every year. He just had what his fortieth year. He's won five. You know he ain't winning it every <laughs> year. <laughs> it's hard ben, to do. It's ben, hard. Ben, it is ben, hard ben, to do. Do you understand ben, how many things have to go? Do, do, do you Scott, understand how many things have to go I'm in winning the championship? <laughs> They don't bro them on teams, man. <laughs> I knew. No, I that's why you, you got to cherish the ones when you get them. Yeah. When we knew I mean, we had you coming on, I knew this was going to be a great interview, and it has been. <laughs> and uh, and I don't want to uh, keep you longer because I know you got a you got a FaceTime to do, and, and that's cool as hell that you told us about that. That's awesome. I'm glad you guys still stay in touch like that. And we love you. We know you're a Kentucky boy and a Kentucky fan. But tell us what's going on with you now, and anything you want to promote. Now's your time. Let us know. I'll be honest with you. This is the first time in my life where I don't know what the heck's going on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I mean, I, I got let go. You know, uh, about a month uh, about a month ago. Um, I had two years left in my contract, so I'm still getting paid. So I'm trying to figure out the next step. Uh, which you know it could have been worse. I could have had no years left on my contract and trying to figure it out. So uh, you know it's one of those things. I, I'm definitely going to stay in coaching. Uh, whether you know this year is it, it, it's kind of a different year. You know, obviously with the the, the corona and everything, so there wasn't a lot of turn, turnover in college jobs this year. Um, so there wasn't necessarily a lot of jobs that I, I felt like I really want you know, to be at that place doing this or whatever that we're out there this year at this point. So it might be something where, you know, uh, I might, I could end up doing some, some TV, uh, you know, doing some games. Uh, I could end up doing some scouting in the NBA. I could end up, you know, I could still between now and the school year, there could be uh, the right team could come along and something could happen and, and I could uh, be, a, be a coach somewhere. But, uh, I think the big thing for me right now is like my son was on the team at Stanford and he's, he's transferring now uh, and trying, you know, make, help him get to his next spot. Uh, my, my, my next uh, young, my, my younger son is a, going into his senior year. He's a big time football player. So helping him 
get uh, to his college and, and watching my daughter play. Uh, she plays volleyball. So I'm going to spend a lot of time with my family unless I end up with a, a, a you know, a job here in the, later on in the summer. Uh, but, you know, this might be one of those years where I, get, I go around and I see, you know, I see a lot and learn a lot from other coaches and things like that uh, to where down the line it helps me become a better player. You know, I had a good opportunity. I had a good situation here at, at Stanford and, you know, the reality is the last couple of years injuries hurt us, but, you know, at the end of the day, the job is to win, and we didn't win enough, injuries or not. We didn't win enough, and uh, yeah. hopefully I, I learned That's a lot from this, from this situation. And, uh, I learned a lot from this situation, and it'll help me the next time I get a chance to be a head coach. Yeah, and I don't think so. I mean, I, I know you're you're going to be somewhere. You know, I sent you a message the other day, and, and, and I wanted you to know I sent you an email Probably one week before before you uh, you parted ways with Sam Sanford, and it, it, so we were trying to get in touch with you. But thank you for reaching out to us. And, hey, that and was awesome, way, man. You did that, by the way. I didn't get a chance. To <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I'm just flipping. I said I'm gonna I'm try to get the page and all. <laughs> I had no idea. I'm just flipping through it. I saw it on Twitter, and I said, "Well, hell, I'm gonna reach out to you." <laughs> I had well, no I'm idea how to get in touch with you. But I was going to figure it out because if the dude wanted Scott Padgett and, and I want Scott Padgett, don't get me wrong, I thought, I thought, hell, that'd be great, but I don't know how to get a hold of Scott Padgett. And then next thing yeah. I know, yeah, sure. <laughs> I was like, well, that was easy enough. <laughs> well, if you guys Scott, want to I'm sure, I'm here, sure. feel free to hit me up. We, we will, will bud. And listen, I was going to ask you what what's your favorite player at Kentucky, but you touched on that a little bit with Mashburn and those guys. But since well, you brought the wrestling thing up, who was your favorite wrestler? My favorite wrestler of all time, Stone Cold. Baby. Yeah, Stone Cold. <laughs> there you go. Hey, that's, that's probably mine too. To I'm, hey, I'm, I'm big, starting to lose my hair. Player. I'm about to look like Stone Cold. <laughs> Anybody drink beer with both Not, hands, I'm in on them. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> say, say hi to Nazi and Alan Fours, and, and thank you so much for being on, Scott. We're definitely going to do yeah, it again. Yeah, thanks, Scott. We've had a lot of fun. Our pleasure. All right, you guys take care. Have a good day. All right, have a good thank one, buddy. All right, bye. All right, Lee. That's probably the most awesome one we've ever done. We probably kept him longer than anybody we've ever kept. But you know what? He was fire. That's all I can say. As far as I'm concerned, as a yeah. Kentucky fan, if you don't enjoy that, then we can't help you, right? <laughs> I know. I don't know what it's going to take. But, you know, I love to see the numbers. They're going up week after week, and who knows where this is going to go. And, and i tell you what, I mean, it, we're all fans. I mean, it, it's good to hear Scott say that. And Man, this is a guy we didn't even touch on his NBA career a whole lot. And but no, we I meant to. The Utah Jazz, he played for you guys. That's how he got drafted by, and, and we didn't. And he kind of hinted at that, and we probably screwed up there. But you know what? We're we're learning at this just just the same as uh, he's learning at coaching. And and I thought Sanford was doing good. I mean, I didn't want to get into it with you, Mark, because I didn't want. But I thought they were doing well. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Well, I think you know. I think the best they had finished was sixth or seventh. I mean, the record was pretty good. You know, Sanford. You know, they were in OBC for a short time, and and you know that's a that's a good school. I mean, it's in Birmingham. That's a, that's a their their athletics program is is top notch. And you know, I don't know. I, I don't know a lot about their league and their in their in their scheduling, but uh, you know, I mean. What do you want? I guess you want to win conference championships, but even at that level, 
you know, sometimes this change is good, and you can tell Scott Scott's doing okay. And I, I'm sure I'm sure he doesn't need the stimulus check. He probably didn't even qualify, you know, but he's still good playing. That's good. Hey, one thing about it, man. Scott is a winner, and I know that, and he'll be back and coaching. I don't doubt that one bit. But I did not know. I forgot. I did know, but I forgot that he coached under Calipari. That's that's pretty cool. He's been a part yeah, of a lot. Yeah. <laughs> one year. And, you know, we, he's a kid, we've talked about successors to Cal. Yeah, we've talked like about success with the Cal. I mean, there you go right there. I mean, you know, right. a lot of people – hey, you, you brought up you brought up uh, uh, one the other day, and, and people were kind of like, no, Mark Pope. And, you know, I, I get kind of – Let me tell you about Mark Pope. Let me tell you about him. He's probably one of the smartest guys to ever play at Kentucky. And I'm not saying he's yep. ready right Cal even right now. But I'm saying five, six, seven, eight years down the road when he leaves, I'll bet you Mark Pope is a candidate because I'll bet you he'll be successful. And, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see Scott Pay this name tossed around. And I mean who's like that's possible. I, I I'm not I don't get too caught up in what these guys do at small schools. I mean, that's even Travis Ford. Look what Travis Ford is doing at St. Louis. Now, Travis you know, Ford got in a bad situation at Oklahoma State. And, yeah. and it kind of it kind of slowed him down a little bit. But he can still flat out freaking coach people, I'm telling you. Yeah. And, he, and, and he gets a lot of bad rap because – because of some things that people said that are just simply not true that me and Lee know for a fact that he's very easy to talk to and he's very nice. He's a very good person. Yeah. And don't believe that jerk shit to whoever started. And one thing I seen on Kentucky Sports Radio, they said they're not for hiring a guy. Well, actually, I heard them. They're not for hiring a guy just because he's from Kentucky. But here's my thing: if you got a guy from Kentucky and a guy from somewhere else. And it's neck and neck. I'm giving a nod to the guy from Kentucky. I am too, and I'm going to tell you why. Because, folks, we, we've had some great players that didn't weren't born, didn't play in Kentucky, didn't play high school ball in Kentucky. But you look at the list of players we had that did play at Kentucky, and I'll tell you right now, it, it, there's a pride, and it's just like us doing this radio show. There's a pride and a love and a passion for Kentucky basketball. Passion means something, brother. Uh, and I'm going to go back to the Unforgettables because I'm telling you right now, you think those guys there, I mean, how many of those kids played in the NBA? You know, Jamal Mastron yeah. was it. Can I mean, you believe we're about out of time? <laughs> well, we're I'm going to tell time. you something. I was getting ready to tell you that during the Jared Prickett interview, and, and we are about to sign him off when Scott was getting ready to come on, and I thought, man, how are we going to make this show last this long? We're going to have about – I think we're going to have to sign off about 6.30. But, man, Scott was talkative, energetic. All of them were. These were some good guests today. I've had a blast. I've had a blast. We had three three of the best interviews. Well, they're all good. We love Kentucky players. But it seems like we had three of the best ones tonight. You know what I'm saying? And it's been awesome, man. man. This this seems unreal to me that we're talking to these guys. (laughs) We're just normal, everyday Kentucky fans. That's all we are. (laughs) <laughs> we just, we're playing we just a lot of basketball players. We yeah. got five seconds. And, and we hope y'all you all enjoyed it. Good night, good night folks. Thank you for listening.